Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Unmuted Podcast. I'm your host, Bella Passi. Unmuted is a podcast where we host conversations on pressing issues in today's society, including things like social protest, Black Lives Matter, COVID, and integration. We'll host interviews with a diverse group of students from the PLNU community. Unmuted focuses on topics that may be too exclusive to talk about and show that by having the conversation, it can contribute to these diverse times. For today's conversation, we'll be discussing international students and their experience in America. And with me, I have two guest speakers, Fernanda Viana and Henrik Din, who is back with us again. We're so excited to have Fernanda and Henrik here with us today as they share their experiences on what it's like being an international student in America. Hey guys. Hi. Hello. So excited to have you both here. Um, I'm really excited about this episode because I have two people or two returners, I guess, with me. So I have Henrik, who we all heard from on the first episode he is back um and we also have fernanda who our listeners wouldn't probably realize this but she's been here with us for every episode Mm -hmm. because she is our researcher so every time i get to give a little history lesson or run off some numbers she is the one who supplies me with all that information but today she is here as our guest and we are so excited so welcome to both of you um, you know the drill to start off <laughs> for people who don't know you can you give us your name um, you know your major or what you're doing right now that's affiliated with Point Loma um, and a little bit about yourself yeah would you like to go first or oh sure thanks <laughs> <laughs> so my name is Fernanda um, I'm a grad student uh, here at Point Loma Nazarene um, I, my major is, um, it's a master's in education with a focus on college students and student development. And I'm an intern here at the office of Multicultural uh, and International Students Department. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so my name is Henrik. I already probably introduced myself the first time. So if you want a revision of who I am, you can go to the first episode. A little <laughs> shout out to the first episode. Um, but my name is Henrik. I'm an international student from Bangkok, Thailand. I'm a senior currently in Point Loma, and my major is media communications with a perf- uh, performance concentration. Yeah. Um, that's pretty much it. Yeah. Very cool. Awesome. Thank you to both of you. Um, so in the first episode, right, of our podcast, we talked about um, COVID and we had a focus on international students, right? And but and really it was how they were affected by COVID. And Henrik, you spoke kind of um, on that a bit more with your, like, you know, your experiences with that. Um, but today we get to talk exclusively about international students um and really what does like what does that mean you know like i think a lot of us here um listeners probably have friends who are international students because we have a quite Mm -hmm. a large population i would say on this campus Mm -hmm. um but i don't necessarily i have a good amount of international students friends but i don't necessarily think i fully understand uh 
how what the process looks like to even get here um, and what that entails and like really get to talk about like why they wanted to come here. So um, we're hoping with this conversation today, right, that we can have people understand a bit more about international students and kind of your guys' experiences here. Um, so to start off, can you know tell us where you are originally from, where you originally call home, um, as well as give us a little info about your country um, for those who you know might not be as familiar with it? Yeah, um, I can go first. Uh, so my home or the place I call home is Bangkok. Um, it's the capital city of Thailand. But I have a very interesting background because I'm actually not Thai. I'm, a, I'm actually Burmese by blood. So my parents are actually from Myanmar um, and I have a Burmese passport, but I lived, I was born and raised in Thailand. So it's, it's quite an interesting journey being a, you know, having a different passport, but living in a different country, but growing up culturally there. So a lot of people would ask me where I'm from. So it's just easier to tell people that I'm from Bangkok, Thailand. And then I guess I just give them the benefit of the doubt that they know that, okay, maybe he's, he, he just has a Thai passport, but anyone who wants to know a little more in depth of me, I don't have a Thai passport. I'm actually, I have a Burmese passport and even Mr. Sam, my international advisor gets mixed up sometimes. Cause I would say I'm from Thailand, but I hold a different country of citizenship. Mm. So I would say, I mean, honestly, for me, I call both home, like both Myanmar slash Burma, that's just a different, like two different names, um, and Thailand as home. Um, and I do really enjoy like being from there because I get to represent and, and show like what the culture is about. Um, just a little bit about Thailand. It's nicknamed as the land of smiles. So I, oh, I love that. Yeah. Nice. I mean, that's why a lot of tourists also loves to go to like Thailand just cause they see that the people are always just smiling and just have that like joy in them. So I guess culturally that's also where I guess my smile or my like attitude comes from. Uh, so that's just a little bit about Thailand. I mean, great food. You can't deny that <laughs> yes. be, the, whole, the rest of the world tries to copy the Thai food. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm just saying I've tasted the OG, you know, the yeah. original like <laughs> recipes and everything. Um, and yeah, it's, it's humid there. It's very hot, um, but a lot of tourists loves to go there. So I'm awesome. proud to represent. Perfect. Yeah. Thank you. So I'm from Brazil. Um, I'm from Rio and it's uh, on the coast. Um, and I feel like when you're describing, I feel like Brazil is very similar in mm. a sense that people really think that we are very welcoming. Mm. Um, we're known, of course, for the hot weather also, yeah. <laughs> um, soccer, yes. right? And I think what people don't know is that we go through so many hardships, mm. like um, especially right now economically, that we just, um, I'm proud of being from there because we keep smiling and we right. keep you know keep being welcoming and keep um going on uh, even though we're we go through all this yes um, right. uh, difficulties yeah awesome mm -hmm. thank you i love that the way you said that um so before we jump into a bit more of your guys's stories i wanted to give you know a brief overview um in a little bit of the historical context of like how like even the idea of like international students came about um and all of this research is done by fernanda but you know so a little bit as always like That's a little true. bit of information about it so 
International students are actually defined as non-immigrant visitors who come to the United States temporarily to take classes. A non-immigrant is someone who intends to stay in the U.S. temporarily, does not have U.S. citizenship or legal permanent resident status, meaning a valid green card. Mm-hmm. Um, so in 1919, the Institute of International Education was established by the Nobel Peace Prize winners Nicholas Murray Butler and Stephen Duggan. And in 1923, America's first officially credited study abroad program was launched at the University of Delaware. So, with the First World War coming to an end, American colleges, religious groups, and peace-promoting organizations started to explore creative ways to inspire their students to learn more about the world outside of the U.S. borders. So, by creating a greater understanding between nations through this international exchange, they reasoned countries could achieve a lasting peace and a strong basis for fostering more effective communication. So, in the summer of 1923, eight students embarked on a six-week journey to France. That's a fun place to go for your first time. I don't (laughs) want to do that. Um, The program then progressed into a full-fledged program that came to be known as Junior Year Abroad, serving as the model after which other universities developed their own international programming. Currently, studying abroad helps you to learn new languages, appreciate other cultures, overcome challenges of living in another country, and gain a greater understanding of the world. These are all the things that modern businesses look for when hiring, and such traits will only become more important in the future. So, a little is that like wow. interesting to you guys at all? Just like knowing the history of like, yeah, more so, at least on our, I guess, like the U.S. side of how that even became a thing. Yeah. Um, so, Kind of following that then, um, what made you guys decide to study abroad um, and why did you decide that you wanted it to, you wanted to study in America versus another country? Yeah, that's an, that's an interesting question because I think us international students, that's like probably one of the most common ones too because mm-hmm. obviously they're like, oh, why choose the U.S. over other parts of the world, you know? Um, so my family has a history of wanting to go into the Western world. So that's just how my mom raised us Um, because my older brother went to England um, to study. He went to London um, to study there. But initially, my parents wanted him to go to the U.S. It's primarily my mom who wanted like all. So I have two brothers. So it's three of us in total. And she wanted all three of us to end up in the States because she just believed like, oh, you know, America, like we can go there. I guess the media has some, you know, glamorizing right like glamorizing and stuff so she thought like you got to go to america you know which is somewhat true you know it does help a lot i mean Mm -hmm. compared to like if i were to stay in thailand like i probably wouldn't have had as much as opportunities as i've had here so i'm still grateful to be here um but so my brother went to london i wasn't thinking of going to london canada or australia or any other place i just thought that the u.s would be the best fit for me because one I already was practicing American English, Mm -hmm. right? And I was already listening to like American music, you know? And I was like watching all these movies and stuff. So this culture was already in me. So I I thought to myself like, well, might as well go where somewhere I was prepared for, you know? Um, And so I chose to come to the States. and, and obviously, I don't really have much family here. Um, that's why maybe later on, I guess some questions will elaborate on that. But mainly, I don't really have any family over in the West Coast. And so I'm pretty much by myself. Um, and 
that was a consideration I had to make that I would be by myself for the most part. Um, and my parents were afraid. Obviously, they were like, wow, we're sending our child and he has no support over there. Like, how is he going to make it through? But, you know, I made it through. <laughs> it's my senior yes. year now. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I'm still here. Um, but, yeah, I chose the States because my one, my mom wanted me to go here. And two, I was already prepared in a way or sort of catered to like go to the states so yeah cool well for me i think i can also say there's kind of a family history there Mm -hmm. um my mom's sister was an exchange student when she was a teenager like probably like in the 70s yeah (laughs) which was probably something really cool at the time yeah like (laughs) and my dad's sister also um came to the u.s to take her masters Mm. so she actually stayed and she got married and at one point when me and my brother were teenagers my brother went to her house and stayed for one year for high school Mm. as an exchange student and i was like oh I want to do that too. (laughs) So at one point also, um, I went to Florida actually as an exchange student and I stayed for one semester. And when I went back home, I was like crying so much and I just knew at one point I would come back. And then, yeah, then I'm here. It's been over five years now. Yeah, Yeah. it's funny because you guys both mentioned how like, you had other people, right, who, like, studied abroad and stuff. And I'm sure that probably impacted a bit. And like you said, your mom, right. too, like, then you choosing to study abroad. And I think it's definitely becoming much more of a common thing now. Mm-hmm. Um, like, in 2017, there was 4.6 million international students studying abroad. Mm. 24% of that was in the U.S., 11% in the United Kingdom, mm-hmm. so someone like your brother, yes. <laughs> um, 10% in China, mm-hmm. and then Australia, France, Canada, Russia, Germany had 7%, oh, and 6%, and 23% was everywhere else mm-hmm. and stuff. But it is interesting, I think, that like the people around you, it does so like impact mm-hmm. the way you do it. And I feel like, I don't know, this is just my own personal thing, but I feel like it's so much more common it's less common for like students in who were born in the United States to go study abroad somewhere else mm. sometimes. And so I feel like, like it's less of a push, I guess, you know, like you want to yeah. go travel, but studying abroad, it's like now becoming more of a thing, right, um, right. especially for like an extended stay, like, like, like you're staying, mm. you did four years yeah. right here at the university where like, yeah. I know like two months is a thing or like three months and stuff like that. Yeah. But yeah, very interesting. Um, so then with that, what, when you like arrived here for your first time and stuff, um, can you kind of describe like what was an expectation you had when you arrived in the U.S. Um, that you were like, this is not at all what I thought it was, you know, like something yeah. you didn't find to be true at all when you like then got here. Yeah. Do you want to take a jab at that? First? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I feel like since I was here before, I had an idea, and like um, Hendrik said, I we have a lot of influence from the U.S. Mm-hmm. I think every country, like, and going back a little bit with the previous question, actually, I feel like um, it's so important for everybody else in a sense to, um, if you think about work, mm-hmm. everybody else needs to learn English. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's how the world communicates. That's Pretty, pretty much the main, well, 
maybe Chinese, right? Yeah. Mandarin, yeah. but yeah. but that's the first thing that you think, oh, I need to learn English. So um, I feel like um, that's the main reason why people come here, I guess. And mm -hmm. that's why people from here don't have right. this urge to we have go anywhere else. to us. Mm. Yeah, but then if you kind of, if you kind of also grew up with the culture, like it, it's almost like a mixed culture because like mm. you, I grew up listening to um, music in English and watching movies and mm. right. all this stuff. When you come here, it, there other there like I think the sh cultural shock that you would say it's on the little things it's on like little habits or for me um, I could say that I thought there were so many rules at one point that in Brazil there's not that many rules or people don't really follow much rules I would say so that was a little um, not shocking but a little thing that I, I had to adapt a little bit right and not that I wasn't expecting because I feel like also the rules here that's why things work well I would yeah. say yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah and like little habits daily habits and um, not that I wasn't expecting that it would be different, but just um, like I, I was talking to you the other day about like even going to the beach in summer. Mm -hmm. Here, people go to the beach around like 12 or 2 p.m. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, in Brazil, we wake up, it's 7 a.m., it's already 100 degrees, let's just yeah. go. Yeah. You know, like mm -hmm. the little habits. Yeah. So it's not that um, I wasn't expecting, just really like adapting to the culture or local culture, I would say, mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And you said, um, you said something, culture shock, which mm -hmm. we're gonna, you know, dive into a bit more. Um, but I kind of wanted to go along those lines. I wanted to talk about first, uh, intercultural communication, mm. right? This mm. term. Um, and I wanted to describe it first and talk to you guys about it and your experiences with it. Um, so intercultural communication is the study and the practice of communication across cultural contexts. So it is the study and application of knowledge on cultural perceptions and symbol systems of people belonging to different cultures. The intended meaning of any message differs when encoded by a person of a certain culture and decoded by someone of the other. So the different meanings of symbols in different culture also vary, uh, varies, making the interpret interpretation difficult. So while applying intercultural communication, it refers to making people aware and able to adopt others' cultures when they communicate with them and thus have a meaningful communication. Um, so an example, right, in like our daily life is language difference makes international business companies difficult to adjust to local environment and culture, kind of like what you just talked about. Mm -hmm. um, so like the Coca-Cola company once tried to find a phonetic equivalent of their brand to be used in China, mm. um, but the meaning of the translated terms made them change their decision, right? So it's also like language in terms of like, this yeah. doesn't mm -hmm. mean what we want it to. And sometimes right. that can maybe, I mean, I'm sure you guys have like had experiences get you into tricky situations mm -hmm. and things like that where you're like, this is not what I'm meaning at all. Right. Um, so I think intercultural communication is so interesting just because like how, like, I mean, like anything, like how you're raised and the values you have and like the culture you grew up in, um, you know, it affects like the way we interpret and perceive messages. And so then when you put two people who like grew up very differently in two different cultures together, um, 
it's like navigating. It takes some time to figure out kind of like what that means. Um, so for you guys coming from different cultures, obviously, than the U.S., and I know you said you had influences, right, of like the U.S. kind of in there, but at the same time, like I'm sure it's very different. Um, what was the hardest adjustment that you had to make when you came to America first? That's the first question I want to ask you guys with this. Mm. Yeah, so, I mean, going off from like the, the previous, previous question yeah. as well. Um, there's, so the first time I came here, um, so I had this perception of, of America as mm -hmm. like something similar to like New York City, mm -hmm. right? Because I grew up, so Bangkok is a very urban jungle. So mm -hmm. it's like very cosmopolitan, like super like go after kind of attitude. Um, and then I came to San Diego, which is almost completely different from like New York City. I would say very different from New York City because the downtown of San Diego is like empty for the most <laughs> part. But like downtown in New York City would be very different. Um, so that's one thing that I sort of didn't realize that growing up in a very like concrete jungle kind of life when I came to San Diego specifically it was very different because there was like the beach right there you know and then or, or Point Loma is like right by the beach so I was like wow the beach is right there and the people are just more laid back and relaxed and I guess that's sort of like one thing I really had to adjust was people's southern cali like i've heard like southern cali attitude or mm -hmm. lifestyle because i know there's a lot of different parts of the states and different areas of the states have like different mannerisms and stuff so i guess in inter intercultural communication like that could explain it a bit you know um so like I remember doing some projects and assignments my freshman year with some really like surfer dudes or like super laid back guys. And they wouldn't care as much as I did because I was like super like, let's go get it. Could be just my personality too. But I also came with like, let's go, let's go, let's go kind of thing. Like this energy. Um, but then for them, it's like, no, I'll go surf first. Then I'll come do the homework later. And it's just like, <laughs> relax, you know, right. go with the flow kind of thing. So that was one thing I had to like adjust with as well. Um, and I think that's what I want people to know too. It's like, yes, one, it is partly my personality, but two also it's like, if you, if you were, let's say, if you were to bring someone from Boston or New York city to San Diego, they wouldn't react the same mm -hmm. as if, as say someone from San Diego went to New York city. Like it's a whole different world, even in the States. Mm -hmm. So that's just one thing. Like I I'm trying to learn more and understand. Um, but yeah, that would be like one hard adjustment. I don't know about the hardest. I think the hardest would just be like being away from home. Yeah. I just think that's like the biggest thing that just sort of has so many layers to it. Um, just because you went from one place that you were so familiar with and you went to a completely different world. I'm very grateful that I speak the language like pretty well, I would mm -hmm. say, you know, and so I have that ability to like sort of maneuver around things and situations. So I didn't get myself into a lot of sticky situations. Um, I've had said some things that <laughs> meant differently to other people and I didn't mean it to come across. I don't remember what, but I think, um, I don't know. I think I, I didn't know the definition of certain words and I just said it and people were like, Oh, you're not supposed to say those kind of things. Um, Oh, I remember, Oh, this was my freshman year. I remember one word specifically. So <laughs> I, I was talking about how I became a, like I shaved my head off. So I had no, like 
Your because hero. I became a monk, right? <laughs> and so I had to shave my whole head off. And then I was talking to my friends about it, and I called myself a skinhead or uh, something like that. And right. then apparently in the States, it's meant like a Nazi or something. Yeah. And I didn't mean to say I was a mm. Nazi, like, no way at all. But like I said, yeah, man, I was proud to be like, you know, my head was like bald. And so I was like proud to be a skinhead, which I meant like I was proud to be bald, you know, right. sort of like that. <laughs> um, and, my, and people understood like wrong. And they were yeah. like, be careful, like, don't don't say skinhead too much, like, around here, because, or else you'll be seen as, like, a Nazi supporter. And I was like, oh, my gosh. I didn't know that, but I'm just saying I was bald. You right, know? yeah. So that's one word, I guess, because yeah. to me, skinhead back home meant, like, skinhead. You yeah. Know? Like, your skin <laughs> and the head. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah totally. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah, that, I didn't even think about something like that, but, yeah, that's so interesting. Yeah. What about you, Fernanda? Yeah, I think I would, I would agree with uh, being away from home. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, as much as you chose, you know, it's a decision that you make, very conscious, very mm-hmm. planned, I guess, but you're always like, I have my nieces back home, and I have my parents back home, and it is something that every now and then you go like, okay deep breath and let's Mm -hmm. move on you know Mm -hmm. yeah definitely um so then with that I wanted to talk to you guys about like you know was there ever a moment I guess that you could pinpoint um where you felt like the need to change or alter yourself um to adapt to you know American culture um, was there ever a moment where they're like, oh, like I have to, like, I need to change to do this. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, um, and I, it can be like, you know, physically like style or things like that, but also like, I don't know, like, you know, just like interpersonally, I guess, if that makes yeah. sense. But yeah. I don't know. Was there any, like, was there ever a moment that you could pinpoint that? Yeah. Um, so one thing I realized that's very different from my culture, from the Eastern and the Western world is the, I, I don't know how to say it, the, but the um, Americans tend to be very like outgoing. So like they're, they're like shaking hands, hugging and like saying all these stuff. We never hugged back home. We don't shake hands either. Mm. We keep like a big distance. I mean, I don't know in Brazil, probably it's maybe different or whatnot, but like, yeah, yeah. yeah. But like at least in the Eastern world, like in Asian culture, we don't really hug and physical contact isn't one thing that we're like good at, I would say. Um, and so when I first came here, I saw everybody hugging, you know, and when I started making friends, like all of them were hugging and, you know, holding, like, you know, shaking hands and everything. And I, I saw it as sort of like, okay, if I were to do this, am I like, you know, cheating on my partner Mm -hmm. or like, am I like, you know, being disloyal to like, you know, people that I care about. So it's like all these thoughts that came to my head. Um, And I guess early, like very, very early on, I had to learn how to like, shake hands and hug um and you know do the bro thing you know (laughs) (laughs) or or you know um and it just simply as small as like starting up conversations because um that wasn't a thing i did at all like we're very reserved or at least in our culture we don't really like open up conversations if we don't need to but in america everyone's like how are you doing how are you doing how are you doing um and i think how you're doing it how are you doing itself is already like a cultural I, I was a cultural phrase even like we should just study that because like mm-hmm. I told, I think, I don't know my last podcast or maybe I was talking to someone about it, but 
like the how you're doing is like literally to a lot of international students it may come across as literal right like how are you doing and i know in america sometimes it's just like i'm fine good you good you you know like that's a simple response but when i first heard it i thought they actually wanted to know how i was doing mm. and i would respond with like very long answers and it didn't seem like they wanted to listen <laughs> so i felt bad because i was like am i boring you because you did ask You're me like how you I'm... asked me the exactly, question exactly and so i guess that's like one thing i had to really learn early on too those were just like a couple of things like if i wanted to come across as American right and that and that's what I tried hard at first because I was trying to fit in a lot into the culture and so I was like trying my best to like say things like Americans or you know do things like the Americans um, and then I started realizing like it is very different from what I did and I even had to feel I, I was pretty uncomfortable doing all those things but over time like I knew that okay like I could hug someone you know or I could like shake hands with them and it'd be perfectly fine um, but when I went home like it's not something I was doing either so it's a bit of like a battle that you have to do um, and it depends on where you go like in the states I'm totally someone different than who I am at home um, but now obviously it's like I'm learning to mix both in which is hard but yeah I can is, imagine yeah. I was, I mean we're gonna talk about this later but I think it's so interesting to like think about your identity, like mm -hmm. how that formation looks like, especially for international students where it is like, yeah. over here I'm like this, but over here I'm like this. And yeah. how do you mix that into something and still, I guess, remain like true or feel like you're all being authentic to yourself still, which yeah. is like a hard right. balance to find. Right, right. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. What about you, Fernanda? Yeah, I would say I'm very introverted, very shy. <laughs> so it is still a little struggle for me to like initiate a conversation or to um, just, you know, be available, I would right. say, like be open. So it's um, something that I'm learning and I, I know and I know it's gonna be um, a good thing for me to, to be open to learn this and and then about the affectionate part, I would say like the um, um, the interaction with other people. Um, then I would ha I had to take a little step back mm -hmm. and just learn to shake hands. Mm, yeah. So you were like on the opposite <laughs> spectrum. Because in Brazil, like when somebody's introducing somebody to you, you do like you do like two kisses mm -hmm. and and you know hug, and it's very different. Yeah. So I had to learn to just. Shake hands and yeah. smile. And right, right. So yeah. it, it is interesting. I mean, yeah, if you're here, you're, you're going to have to yeah, definitely. learn it for sure. Yeah. yeah. And it's funny because those are things that like I would think about, right? Normally where I'm mm -hmm. like, this is what you do and stuff. Yeah. But yeah, that's so funny. So following then along those lines, I want to talk about now culture shock because I have a question I want to ask you guys about it after, um, but to describe it to people who don't know the term, culture shock describes the impact of moving from a familiar culture to one that is unfamiliar. So it includes the shock of a new environment, meeting lots of new people and learning the ways of a new country. It also includes the shock of being separated from the important people in your life, such as family and friends. So really just what we all touched on right now. Um, but I wanted to ask you guys with that, because this is something I think about a lot. Um, and I guess this falls under, like, if it were to be anything culture shock. Have you ever experienced um, the same level 
of social slash racial, um, you know, tension and unrest um, that is prevalent and very public um, right now in the U.S., um, in your own country, or I don't know, was like that kind of encounter like that? Was that something that you first encountered when you were over here? Or just, I guess, like, you know, kind of shine some light for me on like, what does that like situation look like for you? Uh, like in terms of like racial tension? Or? Yeah, like, you know, racial, with everything going on with um, Black Lives Matter, the mm-hmm. protests, the marches, the, um, you know, police brutality, mm-hmm. everything that's going on in the U.S. Um, that is really public right now that everybody knows about that's going mm-hmm. on in the U.S. Have you ever encountered anything like that within your own country or was this the first time experiencing it here? Yeah. Do you want to go take a stab at it? <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah. So Brazil, um, I would say we are very diverse because um, it's a co- it was a colony and mm-hmm. everybody wanted to go to Brazil. So we have a lot of influence, like French influence, Spanish, um, African for sure, and um, Germany, like all those different different. Um, cultures or countries that for so long um, have influenced us and then we pretend I would say, I don't know if that's the best word to use it, but we pretend there's no racism in mm-hmm. Brazil because we're so diverse, right? Mm-hmm. So we, we, everybody should be very acceptable and very like welcoming all that for with our own community I would say, but that's really not the case and very similar to what has been happening and has been maybe more um, public right now in here. It's been a very long story mm. happening in Brazil with all the, the police and um, how people are um, segregated and excluded and don't have access to um, good um, health and um and it's not safe, so it's 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 not that it doesn't shock me here mm-hmm. because I've watched this right. my whole life. I've seen it, but um, it's just weird how you almost get used to it in mm-hmm. a sense. So yeah, yeah, it's it's a very common thing in Brazil. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, yeah, <laughs> I know. <laughs> and do you? Because do you feel like it's, like, known, I guess, as much about, like, in Brazil or, like, um, because, you know what I mean? Like, other, like, everybody around the world knows what's going on in the U.S., right? Mm -hmm. With the, like, you see it. Do you feel like that's, like, you see that as much in Brazil or not as much where it's, like, only people who live there kind of know about it? Um, well, I'm sure... A lot of people know that Brazil is not like super safe. Right. I don't know if we get that public eye that much, right, like right, right. that much exposure as here, but um, we we do have the like I said before, we do have a lot of influence from the U.S. So you yeah. get like that from the news and yeah. things like that, and people um, solidarize. Mm-hmm. I don't know this word. Oh, which word was that? Solidarize. Does the word Solidarize. Oh, uh, solidify. <laughs> yeah, like they they um, 
empathize uh, with the, sorry <laughs> they <laughs> empathize with um, everything that go- goes on here yeah but we also question like so why don't we right do the same thing as what's going with what's going on right. in Brazil because yeah you know right. so it's it's um it's complicated yeah. it's um it's like a like really a history mm. really like something that Ingrained. goes yeah yeah interesting yeah um very similar with fernanda what she was saying um i think in recent well the thing is like the u.s is like such a powerhouse in terms of like the media and the news right right? like they're just there always Mm -hmm. um and i remember my parents would watch like cnn and bbc a lot just because they want to keep up with like world affairs um but so in thailand there isn't much of like what people would say like freedom of speech like in the states right we, we you didn't really want to speak up in the country just because it's very dangerous number one um and it's not illegal but like you could get like jailed or killed for it mm. um, so it's not really good to like open up and speak obviously people have their own opinions and perspectives right and they want to speak up but it's not as an open and safe space as it is in the u.s i mean in, and even compared to the u.s like there's a lot of things that happen right politically and so people get hurt for it um but in in, in thailand specifically uh there was a lot of like police brutality or just corruption in general um and that that i grew up around that like i knew which cops were dirty and which cops were good Uh, my my best friend he's actually nigerian um and him being african right in a asian country was very very difficult like if you're african or muslim in like an Asian country just in general, you get a lot of hate for it, um, especially if you're Muslim and if you're African, like you, you get stereotyped so hard that no one will even like try to go near you or they'll just all stare at you, which is really harsh, you know? Um, and so me growing up, like I went to an international school, so we had a lot of diversity diversity, meaning that we had like Koreans, Japanese, like Vietnamese, like people who almost were just like Asian Asians, you know, Mm -hmm. but then we didn't really have like a lot of like Africans or Muslims. We did have a lot of Indians, Mm -hmm. um, which in a sense, if you say like they look different, they do, you know, like, Mm -hmm. so they were like Sikh. So they wore like the turban and everything. And we knew that like, Oh, these people are Thai. Like we considered them Thai because they came to Thailand like many, many years ago. So they're part of Thailand's like history, but there's that battle of like Chinese versus Indian kind of thing going on. Um, and then there's even like Burmese and Thai because back, 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 back when, like when there were Kings and everything like Thailand and Burma didn't go well together. Um, and so there's a lot of that like cultural and racial tension just even if I look Thai and if I say I'm Burmese there might be some like hardcore Thai people who are like get out of the country mm. you know like you, you're even though we're like next door mm-hmm. they were like they were like well you're just coming here to like get our jobs and everything you know which is very similar to what's happening in the states as well right um and so that border tension is there um and so i grew up around that um and i knew because me i was very fortunate that i was sort of in that break of generation where people were more understanding and like accepting of like burmese people or just different races right but the older generations they were more like like my older brother he had to go through like hey you're burmese like 
get out of here. You know, what are you doing in this school? You know, like you, you shouldn't even be here. Like, because a lot of Burmese people worked as housemaids mm. or nannies or just like those labor jobs. Mm -hmm. And so they saw us uh, like lower. And so since we were in school and we were fortunate to be like educated and whatnot, they were trying to like put us down. Like they're like, go be a maid or something, you know? Um, and you know, I'm sure my mom had a lot of comments like that. Cause women tend to be more of like, the housekeepers and whatnot. Um, so there was a lot of that. Even if we looked the same, like I, you couldn't tell if I was Thai or Burmese. Right. You couldn't even tell. Um, some people even think I'm like Vietnamese, you know, yeah. and I get it. Yeah. Like Vietnamese, yeah. Singaporean, like we're Southeast Asian, yeah. so we have like similar features. Right. Um, so yeah, like it, in the States, I do know just because there's more of a attention mm -hmm. and spotlight on these issues, that's why it's much more like bigger mm -hmm. and which is a good thing too because then it becomes like this example for like other countries who aren't able to speak up right, right. Um, so like now there's been a protest happening in Thailand right now mm -hmm. and they're speaking up against the government um, and they're trying to like go against it and trying to say like hey we should reform it and stuff so I guess in a way that's because the states is doing that too mm -hmm. um, and the Hong Kong protest too so there's like all these factors happening around the world um, and so, yeah, but I, I wouldn't say that I was like totally caught off guard. Like, oh my gosh, like look at all this stuff. The only thing though is the gun thing. Mm -hmm. The gun issue is pretty scary. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. That, that one is a big deal because obviously guns kill people, right? Mm -hmm. um, but then obviously people have also different views on it. Um, and so I'm just here to like listen, observe from like a third party um, and just see like, okay. So that's one thing in the States that I... I pay attention to a lot of the gun thing is pretty serious, but the rest, like the racial tension and yeah. and border and immigration stuff that's happened in Thailand as well. And yeah. so it's not like a big, big, like, Ooh, my eyes are open. I was like, Hey, let me share my perspective because you guys should learn what we're doing too. Um, could be better or worse, but yeah, but yeah, no, definitely. Thank you for sharing. And that's why, like, cause I think it is interesting. Um, because obviously the U.S. Is, does have such a light on it right mm, now and yeah. stuff and always has had yeah. one. Um, but it's interesting to hear about that. That doesn't mean other countries don't have that happening, right? right? Exactly. It's just you don't know about it as much. Um, yeah. Or they aren't afforded the same luxury as being able to speak about it. Mm -hmm. um, and like you said, not be you know thrown in jail or killed and stuff right. like that as well so um i do think that's such an interesting thing to you know learn about thank you for sharing that both of you yeah. um so going i guess kind of with what i just said what is something that you um think people who grew up here in the united states take for granted and no. you can be candid about it. <laughs> I was like, how I asked much it because I wanted to. <laughs> uh, do you want to go first? Uh, for, for me, I think the main thing is the sense of freedom mm -hmm. and safety. That um, just like a little example, like we were saying about the little um, detail things and lifestyle, I would never, if I'm walking around the streets in Brazil, at least me, maybe it's it's me a little paranoid. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I would never answer my phone in the streets mm. because somebody can just run by me and take my phone. Yeah. So I would either um, answer like a store or I would just... Not just answer it. Sing, yeah, whenever yeah. I have the chance, I'll see it. Maybe it's me. Mm -hmm. Maybe most of people are not that scared, I would say. But 
and here I walk at night and I'm not even looking back to see if somebody's following me. Yeah. Because yeah. that's, I feel like that's the, it's like a, you live with a little adrenaline. You're always kind of aware of mm-hmm. what's going on around you. And here I feel much more relaxed. Yeah. I'm not, when I stop um, on a red light, and it's night and it's dark because a lot of the streets here in San Diego don't have like lights on, mm-hmm. right? It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's just dark. I'm not worried if somebody's going to show up on my window mm-hmm. and just, you know. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's, it's scary, but it's just this um, sense of freedom and safety for yeah. me, mainly. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. I absolutely agree with Fernanda, like what she said about the freedom and safety. Um, yeah, like there's been a lot of incidents where a lot of my friends had their like wallets, backpacks, because we, when we went to school, like we would, this is broad daylight, you know, this is like broad daylight. And you would take like motorcycles because we had like motorcycle transportation. Um, my friends would just want to go from like the school to like the mall or the school to the train. And just by doing that in broad daylight itself, you could get your phone stolen, your backpack stolen, uh, or your like, you know, personal belongings like that happened a lot um and it was a it was a thing you know that's why my parents weren't really keen on like making me take those motorcycle transportation just because many of them aren't really like they're there to work but they also have like side hustles and most of them are like illegal side hustles right um which is unfortunate you know i guess that's just one thing it's it's still a developing country let's just put it that way um so there's a lot of things that still needs to change um and in the States, I guess it's more developed than anything, you know? Um, and so I, I feel that the freedom and, and safety in the States is definitely one thing I really consider like Americans should be more grateful. Um, I do also think that people should, people here in America should appreciate like the amount of abundance they have. Like if you go to McDonald's, right, your size or M or whatever the cup size is, okay? Like that thing, like if you order like a small or a medium, that thing is already like an extra large in Thailand. Like I'm like, guys, you do know that your sizes are like incomparable to the rest of the world. So there's that abundance of like, you know, resources that I I wish people just understood more. Mm. Um, And I feel like, until people get out of here and go see the world, they won't understand, or especially like developing countries like to Brazil or Thailand or Africa or wherever, you know, like if, if, if people from America went and saw what it is out there, I think they'd be much more grateful because I think in their vision, like, and I would be too, if I grew up in America and I saw like, I, my parents gave me like a car at 16, you know, and was like, go ahead, son, like, go drive to like Yellowstone or something, you know, or like, hey, you know, you could always eat at Tender Greens or whatever, you know, like always these like good food and whatever. I would probably be like conditioned to think like, oh, this is like the rest of the world, you know, like I could just go to like the closest Jensen's or the or not closest Jensen's, closest Walmart Target or whatever. Whereas in Bangkok, it's like you had to travel far to go to those places. Um, and it's not just as 
uh, how do you say, like immediate, you mm-hmm. know, it's not just right there in front right. of you. Whereas in America, it's like right there. You know, a lot of things are right there mm-hmm. here, which I'm so grateful for. Like if I need something, just go Target or wherever, you know, mm-hmm. or even better yet, go on Amazon, right? <laughs> like that is, ooh, you know, like when I came here, the first thing I wanted was an Amazon like account. And I utilize that so much because it's just right there, you know, um, whereas at now it's still getting a little better in Thailand. It's getting a little more developed, but it's not as like, you know, the same as in the States. So yeah, abundance, you know, Americans need to appreciate their abundance because it's a lot. It's yeah. a lot. And I, I just think like, I don't know. I wanted to critique just one thing. It's like kind of just open your eyes more, a little more. Cause I know America has so much like diversity in itself already. Like it's a melting pot and this is weird. Cause I've been listening to like presidential speeches for the like previous presidents. And they've all always said like, America is founded on like immigrants or like people from other countries. Like that's what America is. And I think a lot of Americans have taken that for granted. Like they forget that, we are so diverse, you know? And and the fact that since we were so diverse, like we've, I don't know, it's like counterintuitive, right? You go so far progressing and then you all of a sudden you're like, you forget that you made all that progress. Mm. So it's like, you're so diverse, but then at the same time, you don't recognize that diversity. Right. So that's just one thing in America, I would say is like, just be more mindful, you know? Like we can get along, we just, you just forget that you've gone so far mm-hmm. to one side and then you just forgot like, oh shoot, like we've already got, got here, you know? Yeah. 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 And I like what you said about like, it's not until people get out kind of, right? Yeah. And experience the world, see the world and understand and put their, I guess really it's like you have to be there and be present to then be able to empathize and put yourself in somebody else's position. Right. right. Um, but I agree. I think you yeah. have to, like people have to start, you know, getting up and being like, yeah. okay. I mean, obviously right now in the pandemic, it's a little right. harder of to course. do. Um, but also part of that, I think part of also being able to see is just talking to people who are different than you mm-hmm. and being able to ask questions about, you know, their lives yeah. and get to like know them more as a person and not in their own culture. Be curious about like their culture, not apply your culture to them immediately. Yeah. Um, this conversation has been so good. Um, I'm so I'm so happy. I love talking to both of you. As we wrap up, um, what is a piece of advice you would give to international students like yourself um, who might be encountering, you know, similar situations or feelings that you've experienced at one time or another while being, you know, abroad? Um, also, and then with that, what is a piece of advice that you would give to people as well who are from here? Um, in terms of mindfulness um, when it comes to intercultural relations and communication. So it's a Mm -hmm. two-parter. But first, what's a piece of advice that you would give to other international students? Yeah. Would you like to hear (laughs) five years of experience? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I would say just um, always remember why um, you chose to be here because... of course, you left so many things behind, but you you had a purpose. You you know what you want to achieve. I feel like everybody that um, it's like a mission, right? You know, you're you're really like embracing a dream or embracing a a, um, a bigger purpose for yourself and just um, go for it. Like make sure you get what you came here for. 
um and um yeah there there's gonna be upside ups and downs like they're like for everybody so just keep up like make sure you you keep moving forward and what was the other part again Sorry. and what is a piece of advice that you would give um you know to people here who grew up here oh just when it comes to you know mindfulness um when it comes to anything really like what would just be a piece of advice that you yeah. would want to give to them okay just be open be empathetic um, for me, I started learning English in a small little school with a couple of <laughs> friends, and, you know, like not a couple of friends, sorry, a couple of um, um, teenagers at the time. And it's uh, one hour and a half class a week, pretty much. And, mm -hmm. you know, you just keep learning and just remember that English is definitely not my first language. Yeah. I'm still learning every day a little bit more. And... Um, it's interesting because um, at first we, I have, I had this idea that Americans were so open and so friendly, but I really don't have that many American friends. Mm. And people say, "Oh, but you just hang out with your, um, you end up hanging out a lot with your own community." Mm -hmm. Because, of course, you need that home, mm -hmm. that feeling yeah. of being home and, you know, that connection. But it's not that easy to make American friends mm -hmm. or at least to yeah. really keep the friendship right. along the way. So just um, remember that um, whoever um, is came here to um, follow their dreams, are, they, they also need a little support and yeah. some, um, you know... Friends yeah. from time to time, definitely. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so an advice to international students, right? Um, I guess, you know, I, I don't know. I guess it's a good time as a senior, a senior international student to be reflecting upon my journey. Um, but one of the biggest things I, I realized as an international student is you you have this unique perspective that you bring with you just the fact that you made that decision to like leave your country right and to come study in a place where it's like could be foreign or possibly like the most foreign place you've ever been to um, and you're gonna live here you're gonna survive here so to many of the international students who are like making that leap i would just say like you have to remember you have to give yourself grace you know, like you have to give yourself grace because you think that when you get here, you see everyone else being like successful and everything, right? Has the best cars or like has the best networking and connections. But you have to realize that this was their home, you know, and obviously their dad or their mom could give the connections and they have that community set already. But for you, you're starting from like square one. Mm -hmm. So you have to give yourself grace to know that you're starting from square one and you're going to make it throughout that, you know, and, and not to give up on your dreams, whatever dream you come with. Um, so that's my biggest advice is like, you can't be so hard on yourself. Mm -hmm. um, that's one thing I tell myself. And I wish that as an international student, like, you know, maybe someone, you know, who just came up to me and he's like, hey, I understand you're an international student and I just want to let you know, like, I'm proud of you just takes one person to do that, right? Um, unfortunately, I didn't have anyone do that to me, so I wish I could be that person now, you know? I've had a lot now of international friends. you can be friends. that person. I can be that person. I've had a lot of international friends who were seniors, but they were battling with their own struggles too, you know? Um, and 
they were probably too busy like focusing on the forward rather than like the backward. I'm very like reflective, so I'm like always thinking and thinking. Um, so that's the biggest advice. I'm proud of you. Oh, there we go. <laughs> there we now, go. now I'm gonna make it through senior year. Like remembering Fernanda said this to me. Okay. <laughs> um, and and yeah. Um, and the second thing I guess is just um, try not to try to fit in so much um stand out and it doesn't it it's not bad to stand out you know um, especially since like i said you have a unique perspective and so you you should be like bringing that to the table like you shouldn't be afraid like people always say like it's hard for me too because people won't see me as an international student just because of like my the way i dress or the way i speak like they're like you're totally american but <laughs> i have to remind people that i'm an international student because the things you'll say i probably won't understand all the time you know mm -hmm. um and so i have to step apart from that even if i'm like going into the mold i have to like say i'm gonna have to get away from that because i'm not part of that mold i just need to take a step back and tell you like hey this is my perspective you know and Hopefully you find people who are on the same page with you, who understand the same thing as you. So yeah, that's, that's an advice I get to international students. Um, but just to anyone, I guess, yeah. just mm -hmm. to Americans or anyone in general. Um, yeah, I touched on it just a brief, uh, touched on it quite a bit just now um, before the previous question. Um, but just like recognize that there's a lot of things to be grateful for. Um, and not to take it for granted. Um, if you were to travel, travel to places that are completely different from where you're comfortable with. Mm -hmm. um, like the ministry to Mexico is a good trip. It's just so quick, but it yeah. changes your perspective. I've never been, but I know that for sure. If I could go, I just can't go to Mexico. Yeah. I just, I wouldn't make it back to the States if I went to Mexico. Um, so I just- Explain why, sorry, for people oh, who wouldn't why? Okay, so <clears throat> I'm on a visa, right? And so the visa specifically for me, it's different for every country which is a little you know complex to explain but i have a burmese visa and the u.s government i don't know what the limitations are but there are certain restrictions that are put on my passport itself right. or because i'm from this specific country and if i cross there are certain like years that you're given right so you're given like a year visa or like four years or five years depending on your country i only get one year um and if and it's sort of like once you leave it's canceled. Mm. So it's like leave us in. You have to leave the country to be right. The free. United States, the United States. So Mexico is considered you're leaving. As, right. Yeah. So even if I cross the border, that's considered like right. you're leaving. Yeah. And even if you have plans to come back, you have to reapply for it. There are ways to go around it, but it's just really complex. And yeah. if it does get like troubled, on the border then you might as well just like a little dicey yeah. yeah a little dicey you'll be like hey man i'm and they're like nope we've yeah. seen your kind of people all the time yeah, you know and yeah. you're like oh gosh yeah so i i just don't want to risk it and yeah, it's just best definitely. to have a peace yeah. of mind but. i wanted you to just explain for people who are like why wouldn't you come back oh yeah 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 oh, yeah so so that's on different visas mm -hmm. um people from i guess europe um i don't know about them but they they probably could just go coming yeah. back because there are other visas that allows you to go in and out mm. and within those years yeah. so if you have like a four-year different visa, for mm -hmm. everyone depending yeah. on your visa and yeah stuff. so that's why even within the international student community on point loma i'm and i don't i don't like saying this a lot but like i'm considered also pretty pretty like unfortunate as mm. well because i don't get to do a lot of things right other international students like they get to go home easily you know mm -hmm. they go home they can come back they don't need to go through the immigration process again i do mm -hmm. you know i went home one time in these four years wow. that I've been here. And 
I almost didn't come back. Yeah. So mm-hmm. my parents were like, good on you that you got lucky because yeah. we we were really worried that I wasn't yeah. going to get the visa back because I had to reapply all right. over again. Even though my name was in the system, I had to reapply again because mm. they were like, we need to make sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the life I live. Um, and that's for like people to realize that, you know, everyone comes with their own struggles and right. hardships. So don't give them more of a hard time than yeah. they need to, you know, and mm. my motto in life, just smile, you know, yeah. just, I guess awesome. just in general for everybody. Countries. Yeah. Yes. So, so yeah, it's just awesome. smile more. Thank you. Um, thank you both. That was such a good conversation. Like I always say, like a conversation that doesn't end, right. One we're going to keep having and we want students and people who listen to this podcast to have with people around them and just be mindful about it. Um, my favorite time. Mm-hmm. Is there anything you guys would like to promote <laughs> before we go? <laughs> no. no. <laughs> I mean, I would like to, but probably I don't know if people are going to check it out, but I'm I'm working for an internship right now. Yeah. Um and they're doing a film festival. It's a San Diego Asian Film Festival and there's oh like gosh. these films that are lined up with like spotlight on Asian culture and yes. Asian heritage. Um it's premiering on Saturday, this Saturday. Um it's just like the opening, but the films aren't being shown till the end of this month. Very so if you cool. want more details, follow me on Instagram. There you go. I think I attended it last year. Yes. It's so that. good. It's so amazing. I definitely recommend anybody like I'm probably going to do it again. Yeah. It's so good. So just follow me on my Instagram. I'll probably be on there. I'll be yeah. promoting it a lot. So what's your Instagram for people who don't know? It's at Henny HRQ. So H-E-N-N-Y-H-R-Q. So if you ever want to follow me on there, there you go. I'm not looking for followers. I'm just saying <laughs> you want to check out the no, festival. Yeah. Check out the know? festival. Go to his Instagram. Yeah. And it's uh, Pack Arts as well, so yes. Pacific Arts Movement. So if you want to look that up online or if you've seen flyers around in San Diego, that's the place to go. We're doing an online film festival. So awesome. that's the only thing I want to promote. Perfect. Than, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Anything for you, Fernanda? Well, you can feel free to follow me also on Instagram yeah. and ask any questions. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think everybody's always open to answering questions and things if anybody has any questions or make connections for any international students who are here and want to meet you guys mm-hmm. um awesome well thank you guys so much thank you and thank you. we will talk to you soon i'm sure thank you for listening to our podcast and for supporting us and stay tuned for when we come back in two weeks as we invite olivia Harmon wendell and zoe roberts to talk about multiracialism and discuss what the mixed race identity is They'll share the realities of growing up with two cultural identities and what it's like being a mixed race identity here at PLNU. Until then, be sure to stay safe and we will see you soon. This podcast would not be made possible without the Office of Multicultural and International Student Services of Point Loma Nazarene University. This podcast was produced by Lauren Woods and Sam Quapong. It was written by Lauren Woods, Fernanda Viana, and Bella Passi. Research was done by Fernanda Viana. Today's podcast was produced and edited by Tyler Darlington and filmed by Kevin Langley.